When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, excited to talk another day in the MLB. We are now uh, officially eight weeks into the season hard to believe that it has gone by that quick but with the conclusion of today's games uh yeah we are officially eight full weeks through the season and uh yeah can't wait to break it down yeah i've been i think this has been a this has been a great great show we've covered every single day of the last eight weeks with you guys talking about all the trends all of these daily stories and it has been very very fun. Absolutely. Uh, well, well, what do you say that we get into the games? Uh, LJ, uh, the, the title of the show that you created, uh, I'm excited for you to talk about this first one. Absolutely, because this is one of the more frustrating games of the week, at least. I mean, there have been some pretty frustrating games this year. But top of the, we've got the Twins and the Royals here. Top of the first, Josh Donaldson hits a, his sixth home run of the year to lead off scoring for Minnesota. But that will be quickly tied up by sweet swinging Sal Perez. 
and his 13th home run of the year going out to center field. We will jump ahead in the action past a Hunter Dozier home run and a Jorge Polanco home run to a world where we are tied at 4-4 going into the bottom of the fifth. And guess what, Brandon? Sweet. Swinging. Sal Perez goes yard one more time, only to be followed up by Josh Donaldson going yard again an inning later, and we're tied going into the seventh. This might have been the second worst defensive effort of the year, right behind the Javi Baez play. You have Gilberto Celestino in center field, who proceeds to keep running towards the ball, over to the ball, call off the left fielder who is standing under it, drop the ball, and then wing the ball over the head of the second baseman having it roll through this sends the runner that was on second over to third. And then the overthrow sends him straight home to score and Kansas city wins this one six to five. It was just, I don't even understand how to explain what he was thinking because that wasn't a play that Celestino needed to make at all. And of course he did get um, pulled in that game. Like that wasn't a play he needed to make, but then to, to back it up with such a half effort throw, it was just, it was ridiculous. Give the win to Jake Junis out of the bullpen. Chris Bubich went four and a third, allowing three earned and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Hansel Robles and half foot and mouth went five innings along five earned runs. That sounds about a uh, usual for J half. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's about the, the good old, you you miss do you miss that? That's the question. Oh, uh, do I ever? Do I ever? No. Was J Hap the one? If I remember last year, we uh, we we were going golfing and we were on our way back to a friend's house. And I'm listening to the game on the radio, and he must have walked like three guys in a row because he refused to change to the strike zone. <laughs> Like, this guy just can't get out of his way. Like, the guy was obviously not calling the upper part of the zone. And so the decision to just keep on piping it in there just obviously either he wasn't executed or did not cross his mind. Either way, we are pretty used to in upstate New York seeing poor performances from Jay Happ. But how about Sweet Swinging Sal? This is the guy who just got paid, shows no ill effects from getting paid this offseason. And it looks like he could be a very strong leader for this team for years to come. I mean, he's got to be one of the most consistent players in the league. I mean, just just a, like his stats, he never really deviates very far from what he's been doing basically his entire career. He's going to be right around a league average hitter, and he's going to give you – a lot of positive uh, defensive value behind the plate. And this is a guy who is just basically the heart and soul of this Kansas City franchise. I mean, this is the only guy really who's left from those two World Series teams. So uh, I, I'm glad to see that they paid him. The fact that he's committed there is really awesome, and it's going to make his career legacy a lot better. 
the fact that he's dead. Oh, certainly. I mean, either way, this season is putting himself him in a very memorable category. The fact that he's now stretching into his 30s being very, very good almost was a certainly was a thought for me when I was filling out my all-star ballot earlier for the game, the all-star game in Atlanta this year. Um, ended up not going with him. We will talk about who we went with at a later time. But yeah, I mean, he certainly is going to be in the discussion among the best catchers in the game, I think, for a while still to come. All right. Uh, on to the second game, the Mets and the Padres. The scoring would get opened up in the bottom of the third with a Fernando Tatis home run, his 17th on the year to tie the league leaders. That's a two-run bomb. San Diego goes up 2-0. Bottom four jerks in profile, an RBI single, and it's 3-0 Padres. In the fourth, uh, the Padres, or excuse me, in the fifth, the Padres score on a wild pitch uh, to make it 4 to zero. The Mets end up getting two runs late, or excuse me, three three runs late. They got a two-run James McCann homer and then a, a Billy McKinney triple to make it 4-3 in the eighth, but that's all the Mets can do. The Padres hang on and win 4-3. The win to you Darvish, five and a third, four hits, two earned, five strikeouts. Taiwan Walker takes the loss, five innings, seven hits, three earned, uh, four walks and two strikeouts. And Mark Melanson picks up his 18th save on the year. And I have the next game as well. Uh, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. Uh, in this one, the scoring uh, would open up in the bottom of the third with the Brewers picking up four runs thanks to a Jackie Bradley Jr. home run and then a Christian Yelich three-run home run, just his second long ball of the year. But uh, that would give the Brewers a four-to-nothing lead. In the top of the fifth, the Diamondbacks score three thanks to a Carson Kelly homer and a Nick Ahmed double. And, uh, yes, they pull within one. Uh, but in the bottom of the inning, Luis Urias home run, and then the the Brewers score on a ground out and to make it six to four. The Diamondbacks are able to get one in the top of the eighth uh, by way of a Cattell Marte single, but that is meaningless in this game as Avasael Garcia goes deep in the bottom of the eighth and the Brewers win seven four. You can give the win to Brent Suter out of the Milwaukee bullpen, uh, one and two-thirds of scoreless ball. The start went to Brett Anderson, four and a third, eight hits, three runs, one strikeout. And the loss goes to John Duplantier, the starter for Arizona, four innings, four hits, five earned, and three strikeouts. Josh Haters, uh, he picks up his 13th save on the year. Next up, we've got the Red Sox and the Astros, where the Red Sox have finally broke through the gridlock that has been the Astros' starting rotation. Top of the second, Christian Arroyo sends a piss missile to left field. It, this one will score three runs, and it'll be his first of the year. The score will stay the same until the top of the seventh, when Xander Bogart's double 
brings in two more. Martin Perez pitched a tremendous game, and Houston's lone run would come on a Yuli Gurriel home run to left field well after he had left the game. The Red Sox win this one 5-1. to one. Give the win to Martin Perez. He went seven and two-thirds of an inning of no of shutout ball with six hits and four strikeouts. The loss goes to Jake Odorizzi, who went three innings long, three earned runs in this game. This was just one of the best starts I've ever seen, if not the best start I've seen from Martin Perez. There's a good there's a good case you can make that he should have gone longer in this game. Only had 82 pitches. They were they were carrying a five-run lead. I would have liked to see him go a little longer. Maybe he could have gotten through nine. They ultimately made that decision, and we got to see a little Brandon Workman in Red Sox uniform again. But I'll, I'll, I'll live with what I've got. I'm pretty happy with it. All right. Uh, I have the next two games. Uh... Looks like Brandon's I, basically I, doing seven eighths of this show. Just uh warning for everybody. Also, uh, I, I love all the National League home games. <laughs> the National League, honestly, I, I we probably should have been keeping track of it, but it feels like so far this year they've had the vast majority of the games. <laughs> Which like, like, but it it's like I I can guarantee you it's very well, even between oh, yeah. the leagues. Actually, I think the reason my perspective is different on this is because I think I, we lined this up just perfectly for me to never have the big week. Yeah. Like, all the cross games are probably in the opposite league the week I switch over. I'm not sure how I landed that. However, Brandon's got quite, as, quite a bit of work cut out for him today. Well, uh, on to the next game, which is the Atlanta Braves and the Washington Nationals. It will be scoreless until the bottom of the sixth where the Braves put up a four spot. Ozzy Albies, RBI single. Austin Riley, he stays hot with an RBI double. And then Dansby Swanson, 10th home run of the year to make it 4-0 Atlanta. Ozzy Albies would then double in the next inning to make it 5-0 Atlanta. And the Braves go on to win 5-1. You can give the win to Josh Tomlin out of the Atlanta bullpen, one and a third of scoreless ball. Tucker Davidson takes, uh, or he doesn't take anything. He was the starter for Atlanta. Uh, he took himself five and two thirds innings, allowing one hit, no runs, five walks, and five strikeouts. And the loss goes to Patrick Corbin, now three and five on the year, five and a third, six hits, four earned, and four strikeouts. And the next game, the Cincinnati Reds taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, these teams would trade runs in the first inning. Tyler Nacon gets hit in the top of the first. A bases loaded hit by pitch scores that run. It's one nothing. But in the bottom of the first, Tyler O'Neill RBI single, and then Yadi Molina RBI single, and it's two to nothing, uh, St. Louis until the top of the second where all-star Jesse Winker, it's not too early to call him an all-star. I'm confident he will be in Colorado. Uh, this yeah. Um, side note on that, he will be an all-star starter because of the stupidest um, like clerical work 
I have possibly ever seen by the MLB. Chris Bryant's eligible as a third baseman. Is it just me or has he played like five games at third base this year? He's only he's played like five games at five different positions. Yeah, but my gut here, and I'm just checking this now, so bear with me. He's got 31 games in the outfield, 15 at first base. He has as many games in left as he does in at third base. Maybe because he's like a career third baseman. I know, but it it, it kills you because like you can't leave. I I cannot leave Chris Bryant in good conscience out of the starting lineup. But that also screws over a guy like the guy from Atlanta, Austin Riley. That screws him over. But then if you look out of the flip side, you're going to take Castellanos over Winker. So Winker ends up getting into the lineup instead of Austin Riley, which is a shame because, you know, you want you want to see those hometown guys get, be able to get into their hometown all-star game. Well, and we can certainly break down the ballot a lot more. Uh, oh, yes in the coming days, but that's certainly an interesting wrinkle that you have figured out. But anyways, regarding Jesse Winker in the top of the second, he hits his 14th homer of the year to give Cincinnati a three to two lead, a lead that would be maintained all the way through the top of the eighth when Tucker Barnhart would double makes it four to Cincinnati and they win by that score. Give the win to who is this? Vladimir Gutierrez. Uh, who is this scrub? Not worthy of Brandon's knowledge. He goes five innings, three hits, two earned, three strikeouts. It's not a bad start at all. Uh, the loss to Adam Wainwright, seven innings, eight hits, three earned, four strikeouts. And Lucas Sims picks up his fourth save on the year, a six-out save. Brandon. I believe it is time for the laser show of today. Pew, 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 pew. Wait, what? There's no way this was the laser show. Brandon, this is the laser show. Every score in this game came on a solo homer. All right, I I can live with that. You get first, you get in the bottom of the first. Yoan Mankata goes yard, his fifth, and then Jake Lamb in the second inning. Makes this a 2-0 game for Chicago. Willie Castro sends the ball to right center field in the fifth to make this 2-1 Detroit's lone run of the game. And then in the seventh, Yasmani Grandal goes yard, and then Tim Anderson goes yard in the eighth inning to get us to our final score, 4-1 Chicago. Give the win to Lance Lynn. He went six innings, allowing one earned run. And six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Casey Mize. He went seven innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. And the save to Liam Hendricks with two strikeouts in this outing. All right. uh, On to the next game, the Rays and the Yankees. Definitely one of the more frustrating parts of my day today was uh, watching this. Uh, Bottom three, Brett Gardner goes Yard off of Ryan Yarbrough. Yardy uh, goes Yardy. Yardy goes Yardy. It's a 1-0 Yankees lead. Top four, Austin Meadows, who I'm going to be talking about in a little bit. He hits a home run, his 14th on the season, uh, and gives Tampa a 2-1 to one lead. The floodgates would open here for 
for Tampa off of Garrett Cole uh, due to some of the most one-sided umpiring I have ever seen. Um, I cannot wait for this ump scorecard to come out tomorrow, but I saw the uh, the I'm not even sure what the word is, not map, but I saw uh, I saw the strikes on graph for both Ryan Yarbrough and Garrett Cole and Yarbrough's sidearm, like the way that he throws it, it was completely throwing off the umpire because he did not know how to call strikes against right-handed batters on the outside part of the plate. He was giving him about four inches off the plate, which is four inches way too many. I mean, there were so many calls that were like that that I can't wait to see what this ump scorecard comes out to be. Uh, not to mention the Rays also get out of the inning or or don't get out of the inning because Kevin Kiermeyer runs out of the baseline uh, as as a DJ LeMahieu goes to tag him uh, running the first steps out of the baseline onto the grass and then is able to keep running the first while not getting called out of the baseline even though clearly went more than three feet out of his way just horrible umpiring the entire day and I'm not saying that it was the sole impact on this game but when the Yankees could have got out of an inning and then the Rays end up scoring three more runs I mean it's really tough as a fan to not acknowledge it and you know all these runs they come from a Brandon Lau single Yandy Diaz single Austin Meadows double, Joey Wendell single, makes it nine to one. And then Miguel Andujar, uh, just to show a little bit of effort, uh, it's a home run. And the Rays win nine to two. You can give the win to Ryan Yarbrough, goes the complete game, which is the first complete game for the Tampa Bay Rays since 2016 meaning that Kevin Cash has only been a part of one complete game or now two complete games since he's taken over as the the manager of the Rays in 2015, which is very interesting to me. Uh, The loss to Garrett Cole, now six and three on the year, five innings, five hits, five earned, seven Ks. Brandon, would you like me to call you a ambulance? Because you seem to need it and I wouldn't. I would be. I can. I can take care of everything if you email. No, me. I, I'm usually look. I try to not blame the umpires as much as I can, because I have been very critical of the Yankees' play the last few weeks, and that doesn't mean anything. But when Aaron Boone is getting thrown out during a pitching change today, which I mean, I'm 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 glad to see that he showed. Was it at least was it, oh. it, it at least a good tantrum? It was pretty good. Like he okay, because because if if you don't get th- if you get thrown out and you don't have a good tantrum, then there's no point to it. There isn't. No, no, he was he he got a right up in his face, so it was well worth it. Plus, it was during a pitching change, so like all eyes were on him. Oh yeah. So you got you've got the full time. I mean, if you have the attention, which anytime the manager comes out of the dugout, he has the attention. You should be doing everything if you're if you have if you're mad odds are if you're mad enough to go out there you're got a good you've got a very good shot of getting ejected from this game so at least give us a show you know 
kick the dirt around, mess up, mess up the line, perhaps throw it, throw a base down the field. I, okay. I, I, I honestly want to see that more. Like the home, the home, uh, the home coach. I'm not saying throw it at the guy, but like you get thrown out, and on your way back to the dugout, you just walk over to first base and hawk it into right field like a frisbee. You can't tell me you wouldn't be entertained. Oh no, that would be uh, that would be very interesting. LJ, maybe we could see that on Sunday when we go to the game. Absolutely, I, I need to see it. That that's one of my goals in life is to see that. How long do you, how far do you think those things could carry, with like a good amount of momentum behind it? Pretty, I mean, that's it's tough to put an exact number on it, but. I think the material isn't very like it's not very aerodynamic. No, no, because it like it would wobble in the air. It has enough give to it that it would probably just like wobble and like really screw it up. But like if you got like an Olympic discus thrower to huck it across the field, or even just a college D three, I, sh- I I'm gonna figure that out next year. Yeah. Can can you arrange from for someone from your school to practice this? I, I I happen to be very good friends with the only male thrower at the school, so mm. I think I can work something out. Well, all right, on to the Cubs and the Giants. Brandon Crawford opens the scoring in the bottom of the second with an RBI single, makes it one nothing San Francisco, until the top of the third one. Jock Peterson. His fifth homer of the year, the Cubs take a 2-1 lead. In the bottom of the fourth, Anthony DeSclafani with an RBI double. Pitchers who rake ties the game up at two. Uh, Bottom five, Brandon Crawford uh, comes through with another big hit. This time a three-run home run is 12th on the season. San Francisco takes a 5-2 lead, a lead that they would then pile on in the bottom of the seventh. Donovan Solano, sack fly, Steven Duger, single, and San Francisco wins 7-2. The win to Anthony DeSclafani, now 5-2 on the year, six innings, four hits, two earned, four strikeouts. Zach Davies takes the loss, now 2-3 on the year, four and a third, eight hits, four earned, four strikeouts. All right, next up we have the Mariners and the Angels. The Angels got scoring started in the bottom of the second when Justin Upton went yard with a solo shot, and then Jared Walsh sent his 13th home run of the year out of the park to right center field. Uh, remind me if I don't bring it up whenever we go over the all-star ballot because I have a very hot take regarding Jared Walsh for that one. Okay. Top of the third, Mitch Haniger sends an RBI single, which makes this a 2-1 game. And then in the top of the fourth, Jake Fraley sends his first career home run to right center field. This one scores Jared Kleenex and Taylor Trammell, making this a 4-2 Seattle lead. They would add on two more runs, including a Kyle Seeger homer to win this game 6-2. Give the win to Justice Sheffield. He went five and two-thirds, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Griffin Recyclable. He went three and a third, allowing four earned runs and five strikeouts. 
LJ, you know, Seattle is hanging in here. They're only four games out of the lead for the AL West, yet have a minus 50 run differential, and they're 29 and 29. The fact that they, like, you don't even have to look at a run differential. Just look at the eye test of this team, and you are shocked that they're a 500. Like, because... their starting lineup has some names in there on days that I'm lost. Brandon, they've got, like, five guys betting over the Mendoza line right now. And, I mean, they've got I some very – I don't think the Yankees are much better. So, I mean, easy. No, that was, actually, that was actually the one thing I did want to mention. Um, little solution to your issue about them not calling – uh, inside strikes on righties well. Maybe you just hit, put more lefties in the lineup. Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. wait. You, mean, you mean when we do that, we hit Rugnet Odor second and Mike Ford fifth, only to send down Mike Ford the next day? We were really hitting him second, LJ. Rugnet Odor hitting second. Are you kidding me? Not to what, mention, correct me if I'm wrong. What analytics department in the league is looking at that and is saying, you know, we are facing Tyler Glass now, so we do want to put a couple of lefties in the lineup. Let's hit our two of our worst hitters, second and fifth. Like it's all about the eye test, Brandon. However, this who, who who is approving these moves? It's all about the eye test, Brandon. However, what you're failing to mention here is the scary part: Tyler Wade, Tyler freaking Wade is the only left-handed batter in this lineup in this on this team that is batting over 200 right now. That's the bigger issue here. And, I mean, you know, I don't even think it matters at this point because he doesn't even start. You know, I, I couldn't care about a lefties and, and righties at the current moment. I just want to be able to hit. I mean, I can't you, want, you just want the ball put in play and, no, not, like, to the, no. and not to the second baseman or shortstop with a man on first. You know, the Yankees actually the last couple of games haven't been striking out as much. It's just weak contact here and there. I mean, six hits today. They had six hits and no walks. So not ideal, but they pitched pretty good other than Garrett Cole's meltdown inning. Uh, he was fine. Nick Nelson sucks. I mean, this dude's terrible. I saw him at the AAA game this year and he took the loss, of course, in a triple-A game. Yankees call him up. I mean, once again, the the Yankees um, pattern c- continues, just churning away of their, their bullpen arms. They call oh, yeah, up no. a couple of guys from triple-A. I mean, no matter what the game situation was today, if it was a tie game, LJ, we are still using these same four pitchers today. That's the problem. Jeff, taxes, and Chad Green. No, it was not even Chad Green. It's all right because we pitched Chad Green two days in a row, and we've only pitched pitchers three days in a row, like five times in the last four years. So it's like, all right, what do we do? We call up Nick Nelson, already has like a six ERA coming into the season. Even if it was a tie game, it it one to one when when Cole exits. We're still bringing in Nick Nelson or Sessa. Maybe we bring in Sessa in like an opposite order. Then we'll bring in uh, Nick Nelson. And then we call up Brooks Krisky after we send down Mike Ford. 
But Brandon, you're you're missing one of the biggest highlights of this whole thing. Nasty Nestor Cortez has a two four five ERA right now. I live for this. He's he's a legend. I mean, throws that drop down slider just out of nowhere. Like goes from throwing over the top to the sidearm slider, which you know only about eighty five percent of the time gets hit four hundred and fifty feet, but. <laughs> Other than that, uh, he's a great pitcher. And I actually do – I am very happy that he has made his mark on the 2021 Yankees. He will forever be in the history books as pitching for the 2021 Yankees. All three and two-thirds innings. But I could be just completely playing this wrong, and the Red Sox have moved the, uh, moved the back of last guy in their rotation, their bullpen, around a little bit over the past week or so. However – isn't it a little early in the season to be churning? Not necessarily. I don't like to call it churning. I like to call it instead the William Defoe Green Goblin technique. Get what you want from them and then broom them. That's basically what the Yankees have been doing. I mean, LJ, we've had some guys appear in games here that are just just like, why? I mean, you have sucked the teeth of every single AAA pitcher you have dry. I mean, pretty much uh, out of the back end of the bullpen, we've used a uh, Davy Garcia or well, he started for yeah, us. Where the heck is he now? Oh, he got sent back down. Oh, I right. Think. Or I don't even know if he's on the active roster right now. Honestly, I he's not on the active roster right now. I'm looking at the active roster. Okay. He could be coming back up this week. He's going to be coming back up at some point. He was optioned on uh, May 30th. Okay, so at the beginning of the week. Um, but, yeah, Brooks Kriske, Nestor Cortez, Albert Abreu, Michael King, you know, all these guys who just – I don't know. The Yankees need to make a trade for a first baseman or, or a center fielder because I know – I heard uh, Cattell Marte is the newest rumor because Arizona's playing like like crap. Uh, and honestly, with the are way his contract part? is with the way his contract is set up, it wouldn't be a very unreasonable trade for the Yankees to make. Would probably have to give up Esteban Floreal, who's our top center field prospect, who got some run this uh in during uh that Baltimore series. I want to say, or not Baltimore, whoever it was we played uh the other day, but um. Yeah, probably him and a couple pitching prospects, but I would love to see Cattell Marte as a Yankee. Fits what we need. We need another middle infielder and out and outfielder. Uh, would fill the spot of Tyler Wade, would fill the spot of Brett Gardner. And then you can use those guys off the bench like the Yankees planned on doing this year and you know not have to have Brett Gardner be your everyday center fielder. Then, then you can turn your issues to Clint Frazier. Oh, well, you know, LJ, there's too many guys that I have problems with right now that, like, I can't even – there isn't enough time. Like, I could go guy by guy. The only guys I'm not going to really have much of a problem with is Judge, Urshela, Chapman. But can we – If you could could hire a hitman with incendiary bullets – to sneak into the front offices of the New York Yankees and 
burn one co- player's contract right now, who is it? Burn one contract? Oh, like so not 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 necessarily because of the money, but like burn one contract just so they no longer play for the team. Like so they just stop ceasing they cease to exist as a New York Yankee. Aaron Hicks. LJ, I'm not going to be stuck with this guy for the next six years. I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not. Yeah, but l- l- let's pretend everybody's on a one year. I was basically trying to say that. So, like, oh, case, so I think the most frustrating. Who's the most frustrating player to watch? I don't know. Like, hypothetically, if you had Link to hire that back, I'm trying okay. to make sure, make it in case the completely unrealistic scenario where, heaven forbid, a Yankee gets murdered in cold blood in the next couple of weeks. I'm trying to make sure it doesn't track back to you at all by saying the contracts. However, like if you could hire a hitman, who's going? You know, I definitely say the most frustrating guy to watch this year was Hicks up until him getting hurt. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Rugnet Odor is slowly uh, getting there for for frustrating to watch. He kind of gets the pass. You know, LJ, I think that when your team trades for a guy or just acquires a new player, fans are way too lenient with with how bad the player can be prior to them, you know, saying something about it. And that's how it was with with Rugnet Odor. It's just like, oh, we traded for him. It's like, oh, that's that's nice. and then he's, oh, well, you know, he isn't going to hit for the best average, but he's going to hit home runs. And it's like, we've gotten a couple home runs out of them. And that's about it. I mean, in the field, he made a couple really bad plays yesterday. Uh, completely threw the ball into the outfield when the Yankees could have turned and double play. Uh, but, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's been rough. And the fact that he's only in the lineup because he's a left-handed bat makes it even worse. Yeah, let me tell you something, Brandon. That issue of keeping guy not saying anything about a guy just because he traded, not an issue in Boston. If you get if you get put in that lineup, you produce. I mean, somehow, some way. I mean, Drew Pomeranz was on this team. He was probably the most second most hated player of the mid two thousands in Bo- in Red Sox lore. He was not the elite. He was cared about more on that 2018 team than Ian Kinsler ever was. And I know he was a late addition. However, like this is a guy who was brought in to fill a need and it was just fine. Like he was just fine. And just no one, 
no one really cared. But yeah, I mean, I think the other thing here is Rufnod Ordor is another guy who wasn't meant to be your everyday second baseman here. Like, ideally, you don't form like four days into the season. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know. Ideally, ideally, he is not in this lineup every single day. So you can't hold him to the expectations of being an everyday player. Why not though? He was he he's been an everyday player his entire career. Like I should I mean the fact that he's been an everyday player for the Yankees sparing I mean like sparingly like he started his fair share of games around the infield for us. I feel like now like I'm I'm getting pissed off with the way that he's playing. Like he is Brandon not, he hasn't he hasn't been an above average hitter since 2016. Yeah, I know and the fact that his stats this year are Better than most better years. Than, than, than last year. How did the Ranger fans not, not uh, just absolutely want to tear this guy apart? This, this is the his best season since 2018 when he had a 96 OPS plus. He's only been in the league for eight years and has had a, a negative war in three of them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I felt a little weird about the fact that uh, Rangers fans were ripping him when they traded him so much, and they were, like, celebrating him being gone. I'm starting to understand what they were saying. Like, I can imagine this is you're – not, you're not overly thrilled with him at this point. No. It's in, no, it, it, you know, it's not even just him. It's just the fact that the, the Yankees front office – they tried so hard. They're like, we have to stay under the, the luxury tax. So the Rangers are literally paying 100% of his contract this year. The Yankees aren't paying him a dime other than like the, the, uh, the minimum salary that every player gets paid on when you come to, when you go to a new team, it's like 800 K or whatever. Other than that, the Rangers are paying this guy's whole contract this year, which is, uh, where is it? $12.3 million. Like, they're paying him to be terrible for another team. It's, it's the Colorado Rockies method, I guess. Yes. I mean, it just, I, I, I'm starting to feel just hypothetically, part, mostly because I just want to send you into a tizzy year. Yankees are playing the long game. This is all about making sure this team peaks with Jason Dominguez. Uh, you, are look, I mean, you are looking at the setup team for the 2028 World Series champion New York Yankees right now, Brandon. You're in on the ground floor. No, the Yankees will figure it out because they're going to have enough cap opening up in the next couple off seasons. You know, they're going to have to make a big choice as to how long they sign Judge for if they choose to sign Judge. Uh, yeah, but just just, just we're not gonna be able to do anything as long as Brian Cashman is still the GM. The this this team's going nowhere. So what if they what if they pull a Celtics and just decide okay Cashman's out Boone you are now the Boone is the GM no no <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, I did the Cubs Giants, so I believe you're on. Mariners. No, I already did. I already did Mariners. Oh, I'm on Rangers Rockies then. Yeah, perfect segue into the Rangers. Yeah, uh, Colorado. 
they score seven or excuse me, nine unanswered runs to start the game. Uh, most most notably, they get a Charlie Blackman home run. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, a a Rymel Tapia double, Brendan Rogers double. And a couple RBI singles from Josh Fuentes, Garrett Hampson, Jonathan Daza, Elias Diaz. Uh, eventually, Charlie Blackman goes yard. Or, excuse me, Charlie Blackman with a double. Chris Davis goes yard for the Rangers, his second on the year. Uh, and in the top of the ninth, the Rangers make a small comeback. Uh, they get two outs by way of a force out and ground out. And then Jose Trevino with a two-run homer. The Rockies go on to win, however, 11-6, and the Rangers have now lost nine games in a row. Ooh. You can give the win to Austin Gomber, six innings, three hits, no earned, and six strikeouts. The loss to Mike Boltanevich, now one and six on the year, three and two-thirds, eight hits, five earned runs. And the last game, the Marlins and the Pirates. Uh, this game, the scoring would open up in the top of the third. Jazz Chisholm with an RBI single for Miami, and they take a one nothing lead. Brian Reynolds homers in the bottom of the fourth uh, to tie the game up for Pittsburgh. Top six, uh, Jesus Aguilar. Hits a, hits a ground ball that's able to score a run uh, by way of ground out. And then Garrett Cooper with a single. Miami takes a three-to-one lead. In the bottom of the sixth, Brian Reynolds is able to uh, reach on a fielding error by Jazz Chisholm that would score to Brian Hayes uh, to make it three-to-two. Miami still leads. And then in the bottom of the eighth, the, the Marlins allow a huge hit to Jacob Stallings, a three-run double. Uh, Pittsburgh takes a 5-3 lead, and they go on to win by that score. Uh, the win to Kyle Crick in relief for Pittsburgh. Tyler Anderson with the start, five and a third, five hits, three earned, four strikeouts. Uh, the loss goes to, to, to Dylan Floro, who allowed that double. Uh, Two-thirds of an inning, three earned runs, uh, his third blown save of the year. Richard Rodriguez, though, for the Pirates, gets his seventh save on the season all right it is time for the ppp particular players people may care about i think we pretty much both have one piece here today brandon would you like to take this first or shall i uh yeah i'll take it away my one guy is lance lynn uh another very strong outing for him today six innings and one earned run uh, just just uh, taking a look at his game logs this year, he has had in his last four starts, he's gone six innings, one earned, six innings, one earned, five innings, no earned, seven innings, no earned. I mean, he is just on fire lately and is – I just absolutely love the way that this guy pitches because he just attacks you with the fastball and the cutter. And that's like 90% of his pitches basically is fastball and cutter. Doesn't really throw an off speed. He's got a change up that he very, very seldomly throws. 
but you know he's coming at you with the fastball and he's just so good at locating it he doesn't walk that many batters uh and just a fun pitcher to watch uh the other day when he struck out Freddie Galvis, he had some very choice words coming off the mound. He called him a slap dick mf'er uh, as he was walking back to the dugout. Uh, but yeah, love Lance Lynn. All right. Well, my member of the PPP is the New York Yankees, a team we have talked quite a bit about here. They have been flying up the leaderboards as of late. They have now passed the Houston Astros to move into 29th in grounding into double plays. Oh, we don't lead the league anymore. Yay. You are no longer last in the league. You no longer have the most double plays hit into. You now have the second most double plays hit into. Okay. I mean. You you are now losing and losing. Progress. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if we have the the least, the second least amount of double plays hit into because we still make outs on the bases pretty much every day. So it's not like it matters. I mean, any any guy that that we get on base, you can essentially just throw it away and just know that the only way we're going to score runs is on solo home runs. If there's a base runner, they are not scoring. I think in our last couple of games, graduated from double plays to getting tagged out between second and third. Yeah, it's (laughs) we need to go back to fundamentals, or they just need to stop trying to take extra bases. Like I'd be fine if we just did like station, station to station, like pretty much every hit. That's not gonna win you rings, though. I think you're better off gambling with the Prince of Pickoffs, Glaber Torres. I, I, I don't know what, what we can do because he's slow. Our only fast player is Tyler Wade, and he struggles to hit the ball out of the infield. So, yeah. Uh, but struggle is real. Now we have the extended leaderboards. Uh, because we are now eight weeks into the season, so we are going to run through uh, the the leaderboards here. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up the war for hitters one real quick. Uh, I believe it is still Vladdy Jr. in the lead, unless he got past. No, uh, it is him. He is 3.5. Nick Castellanos at 3.0, Marcus Simeon at 2.8. As for, actually, I will read down a couple more names because this is the extended uh, portion, of course, every Thursday. Uh, After Marcus Simeon, we got Max Muncy and Ronald Acuna Jr. at 2.7, Chris Bryan at 2.6, along with Juan Mancata. Uh, behind them, Xander Bogarts at 2.4, Jesse Winker 2.3, and Ramon Laureano, Trey Turner, and Rafael Devers are all tied for 10th. On to the pitchers. And the leader of that is now still Garrett Cole, even after today's start, has a three-war Jacob DeGrom, 2.8. Zach Wheeler, 2.5. Tied with Brandon Woodruff. 
Kevin Gosman at 2.4, Shane Bieber at 2.1, Nathan Ovaldi at 2.9, then Trevor Rogers and you Darvish tied at 1.9. Uh, LJ, the game that me and you are going to on Sunday, we it will not be Nathan Ovaldi, uh, which I'm sad about because I wanted to see him back in right. the stadium. You're you're uh, getting you're getting arguably the better pitcher right now. Yeah, we get a Garrett Richards taking on Bumpy Domingo Herman. Hey, Bumpies. Domingo. What? It is Domingo pitching on Domingo. It, he's scary when he pitches. <coughs> well, just sneezed in the middle of talking, so that's fantastic. But um, yeah, we get Domingo on Domingo, so that will be. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this talk about the Yankees is making me sick too, Brandon. Don't worry. Yeah, no, it's making um, me sick. I can't talk about the offense. It's it's too anemic. Uh, do we have time now for uh, GPH and GPP? Oh, yeah. Uh, I can run through some other ones if you want, but LJ, you can uh, go through those right now. Absolutely. All right, yeah. In good good piece of hitting percentage, the percentage of time you either walk or hit the ball 90 miles an hour or more, we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 51.3%, Ronald Acuna Jr. at 51.2%, and Evan Longoria at 51.1%. And then good piece of pitching, for those of you who don't remember, this is either a strikeout or a ball hit at 80 miles an hour or less. And still in the lead is Corbin Burns at 58.1%. Then after him comes his teammate, Freddie Peralta at 51.6%. And then Max Scherzer at 51.2%. All right. Uh, actually, no, I think that that's a good place to to uh, leave off on the, the leaderboards. Um, I think we can go on to these last two segments, and then uh, we can get out of here a little bit early today. Uh, not bad. But our next segment is who's hot, who's not. I have uh, a team that's hot and a team that's not, both from the National League. LJ has the American League. Uh, LJ, would you like to tell us who is hot in the AL? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, you know, from a purely numbers standpoint, it's a toss-up between these two, between the Chicago White Sox and this team. However, I'm still going to give it to the Rays. Because Tampa so far, of course, were winners of 16 out of 17 at one point, including the first game against the Yankees. And they split the series. It isn't the end of the world. They are still in a commanding lead of the division. But the big thing for me is it would be very easy to fall off after losing that first game, after losing back-to-back games. But then you go out there and win 9-1 today. I mean, it, it, pro- it proves that your team's a bunch of weebles. They wobble, but they never fall over. So this team is showing that they've got the grit to keep going and elongate this run and possibly have like a ridiculous month-long stretch of success. All right. Um, the team that's hot in the National League I'm, even though they did uh, also uh, suffer a loss today, I'm taking the Chicago Cubs. They just swept the San Diego Padres uh, in a three-game series. 
prior to that, they took two or three uh, out of the two out of three against the Reds, and they swept the Pirates. Uh, and that was coming off a series where they won two or three against the Cardinals. I mean, they haven't lost the series here since when a Cleveland swept them in a two-game series in May 11th and 12th. Cubs have been hot. They're winning games against good teams. I'm excited for this Giants series. That was only game one of four that we saw today. Giants getting the best of them. But, um, yeah, the Cubs are playing very hot right now. And, you know, now the Cubs aren't going to be trading away Chris Bryant at the, at the trade deadline. They which, never should have been trading away Chris Bryant. Well, they're in shambles now because their entire franchise plan is gone. They're going to – he's – they have lost the trust of Chris Bryant to re-sign with the team uh, by, by completely cutting their payroll, by trading away you Darvish. They thought that they were going to be able to get plenty of prospects for when they trade Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras this summer. But now that they're winning, they can't trade those guys and they're about to walk in free agency for nothing. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation there because, like, of course, at this point – I think the Cubs have now made themselves a legitimate team. With these past couple series, they've turned themselves into a team you actually have to care about, a legitimate playoff contender in that National League. So you can't go and blow things up. But this really screws over every other team in the league. Because you talk about Chris Bryant being traded. You talk about Wilson Contreras being traded. There's two other guys on this team by the name of Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo, which are far above average players that would have been on the trading block as well. Not only would they have gotten good prospects for them who are part of what's making this team go. However, there are going to be a lot of competitive teams with holes in the infield that they could desperately, they would kill to fill in with the likes of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, or Anthony Rizzo. I think you're missing a big one, uh, too. How about Craig Kimbrell? How many teams could use a closer? You know, like, LJ, how many times do we see during the season we're right by the trade deadline, and there's a team that's got a good offense, and they can really stay in games, but they just don't have a good bullpen. And it's just like, if we can just get one closer, if we can get one one bullpen arm. I mean, now I'm going to pose a question to you, LJ. So the Cubs currently have a game and a half lead on the NL Central over the Cardinals. Let's say we get to the tr- about two weeks prior to the trade deadline and the Cubs are five games out of first place. Do you do sell? You sell. At, the, at what point path, is it three games is where you're saying we're still in it two games behind at the tr- about two weeks prior to the trade well, actually now that i think about it five games is nothing at that point well it, there's about two months left in the season at the trade deadline yeah and you're in a you're in a, a very competitive division in a the more competitive league which means i'm assuming we're let's slot st louis five games ahead of them St. Louis could drop five games over the course of two weeks pretty handily in that National League. 
So I don't think that is necessarily safe. However, like I just, with the way the NL West is playing right now, I struggle to see a scenario for Chicago to make the playoffs as a wild card. I think it's got to be the division win. And if you're going to end up having all of these guys walk anyways, if you don't have faith in your team, if you have a, if you have a genuine doubt that they will, that they can make the playoffs at that point, then you should probably just go ahead and sell. Because at this point, it, if you're not in a position where you want to make moves to improve the roster, then you should probably just sell. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, it's just, I hate that they trade away Darvish, but it is what it is. LJ, who is cold in the American League? The not hot team of this group. Brandon, you would think, you would really think I would take the Texas Rangers. However, I will not be taking the Texas Rangers today. I will be taking the Minnesota Twins. The Twins have now, I believe they are, I lost my standings page. Um, I want to say they're two and eight. They're, or, I'm sorry, they're five and five in their last 10. Losers of three straight, but it's the way they've gone about this. They're currently, of course, currently sitting at 22 and 34, a slightly better record than Texas currently, but they are now the most recent losers of the toilet bowl with Baltimore. And that's really what got me there. Baltimore is two and eight in their last 10 games. And the bulk of those two, actually the entirety of those two came against this Minnesota team since sweeping, since beating Cleveland, three weeks ago and sweeping Baltimore or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. They have lost to the Royals who are surging. However, have played very weak competition and aren't, aren't a great, great team either. And then lost to the Baltimore Orioles who aren't really even trying to win games right now. So this is just a terrible, terrible effort to begin with coming out of Wednesday over the past week, and then you add in this horrendous game, this horrendous play by Gilberto Celestino is just so indicative of how how terrible the surrounding pieces of this offense have been this year, or of this team have been. All right. The cold team in the National League is the Miami Marlins. They have lost six games in a row. They lost that game tonight, of course, to the Pirates. They took a, uh, a lead into a three to two lead into the bottom of the eighth. They allow a bases clearing double. Pirates go on to win five to three. And it's been tough for Miami the last couple of days. Uh, and this is a team that LJ and I certainly didn't think would be contending. Uh, we thought that they would be able to shake things up, which they have a bit so far. Uh, they're currently sitting better than the the Nationals. Uh, but, yeah, they're on a bit of a slide right now. 
they their offense has also not been very good this year. I mean, they've scored less runs than the Yankees. So if that means anything, uh, it's not ideal. But um, they've pitched very well, very similar to the Yankees, actually. Just offense has not been good. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be keeping my eye on them, though, because in this NL East, everyone is so close, really, that if just like one of these teams has a bad weekend, the entire standings could be changed in pretty much an instant. I would say that in in the NL Central and uh, top of the NL West, it's a lot closer, but the NL East is just like someone's going to have to break out of there, and I don't know who it's going to be. The Mets right now are obviously looking like the best team there, but someone like there's no way that those other four teams stay cold the entire year. No. And are, is anyone really going to break out like to underperform? We're now going into two months of completely underperforming the talent in front of them to do that for this long, they're going to get better, but I question how much better things are going to get this year for most of these teams. Mm. I mean, I, I'm ready to go ahead and put the nail in the coffin of Miami and Washington. However, New York, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, I could very easily see this being a high 80 win division winner this year, which is really coming down to, which ends up coming down to the wire, an incredibly tight race, maybe even between all three of them. All right, LJ, we have uh, our one last segment very quickly. We each selected a player of the week. Uh, I have one. You have one. Uh, would you like to go first? Uh, sure, because I'd also like to react to yours. First off, um, judging by just giving a little spoiler towards Brandon, I will not give it away. However, I find it interesting that we picked both Rather, rather than picking from the league that we watched all week, we ended up picking from the opposite league. My player of the week will go to the Chicago Cubs, Patrick Wisdom. Very smart guy there. Incredibly smart. Has a very, actually, that's a yeah, very smart plate approach. Had, was 500 on base this week. He went in 22 plate appearances, hit four home runs, drove in five runs, and had a .7 war for the week. Fantastic time for this guy. The only thing that wasn't nearly as bright as the rest of him, as the rest of Patrick Wisdom, was probably the strikeout percentage just about any other time that he was uh, not getting on base. About 27% of the time he was striking out. Of course, that's that's part of a lot of guys' games now, but that's a pretty hefty number for a guy who's just breaking out now to see. So if this breakout continues, I doubt I doubt we're going to see that go any lower than that 25-ish area. But if he can keep producing to something, not this level, of course, but a solid level, he could be a very nice surprise for this team. All right. Uh, the one that I picked is Austin Meadows. Uh, and a big reason is because I just watched him tear apart the Yankees uh, this week. But 
he has been not only fantastic over his last six games, but against the Yankees in his career, uh, he has now played 40 games against the Yankees in his career and has hit 11 home runs in those games. So that's about a home run every four games, which, you know, in the span of a season comes out to over 40 home runs. So very impressive there. But this week, what he's done, six games, four home runs, 10 RBIs, uh, a 23.1 walk percentage to 19.2 strikeout percentage, slashed 450, 577 on base, slugging percentage of 1.2, which means his OPS was 1.777. Uh, and he had a 360 weighted runs created plus, which isn't bad. So it's not terrible. No, um, I don't go there, though. And that's mostly me being old man yells at cloud and not wanting to just see a guy hit the ball. I actually am going to go ahead and go. If I were to pick an AL team, if we were going AL and NL right now, I would have gone with Hunter Renfro here. Uh, In five games this week, he slashed 563, 588, and 1063 for the, to the tune of 0.6 war, but more importantly, a plus defensive war. How about that 727 Babbitt? Mm. That's... That, that, it's impressive. But again, you know, it's all about, it's all evening itself out. I mean, this is a guy who, not just this week, but like the last two and a half weeks has been on a major tear where everyone finally stopped getting frustrated. They weren't frustrated at him. They were frustrated at how good his hitting approach had been at the plate, but with nothing to show for it. Like he was doing the right stuff for the way he plays the game to be able to be successful, but wasn't being successful out there. So now he's getting a little bit of that turning the bat, turning the right way. Definitely. I would say right now, the second best ad that Heimblum, third best ad that Heimblum has made. And I, I can't wait to make, see more of that. Uh, LJ, I wanted to bring up one last thing because I just realized it. But uh, if my quick math that I just did in my head is correct, Jared Kelnick is on an 0 for 28 stretch. And sure. entering sure. tonight's game had a 23 OPS plus and then ends up going 0 for 3 with 3Ks tonight. Uh, certainly, a, I'm not uh, getting nervous. He's only 21 years old uh, and is going to be a very fine player. But, uh, yeah, certainly a rough stretch for him right now. He's been worth negative 0.6 war, according to baseball reference. So, has been hurting his team uh, more than he's helped them. Yeah, it's been a... It, it, it's been a rough year. Uh, Jared Kleenex is currently batting 107. So do you think there's a chance that they send him back down at this rate? Like- uh, I mean, after that video came out of the CEO, like talking about uh, how they blatantly manipulate their service time, and then they clearly did it with him this year as well to get him called up. Um, 
I don't think so. I think the fans would just be outraged. I mean, also at the same time, they, I don't they, know at what point. batting 107. Well, yes, like, I understand. And, but Seattle isn't used to, have, you know, being in the hunt. So I feel like once things, you know, sort of even out and we, and we see that they aren't in the hunt anymore, fans aren't are, – they are going to stop caring and they're going to want him to have more – at bats in the MLB. But I guess the question is, is he actually ready for those MLB at bats? I mean, every single scouting, I haven't heard somebody that scouted him not say he's going to be a future all-star or the, a large chunk of them have said, this guy will win at least an MVP in his career. So I'm not doubting the talents there. However, Again, very similar to what we were saying about Logan Gilbert, maybe figuring it out in the major league level isn't the best way to go. This has been like a month now, and he's getting a hit in 10% of his at-bats. So I wouldn't be shocked to see it happen. I hope it doesn't. I hope whatever happens is happening for the best of his career. But I think it's going to be something we're going to have to monitor over the next month. We'll look at it next month. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Participate in our trivia game to win some merch if you're the uh, best at the game at the end of the season. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam and LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. Thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 